The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
talking about a happy day. We're talking about a happy day. We're talking about a happy day. We're talking about a happy day. is a sin that God hates. And frankly, most of us hate it as well. And that sin is a lie. We don't like lies. And today in our culture, lies abound. Usually when Authorities are speaking. They're lying. Our government agencies have been taken over by the very organizations they were supposed to monitor, and so they lie. It seems that there are lies everywhere you look today. What can you trust? Now... Apparently, our president has said that the high gas prices are a part of the strategy for turning Americans away from gasoline motors to electric motors. Lies. Lies. And more lies. I am sick. I'm sick in my heart of lies. I was raised to believe that you could trust the court that you could trust the government. But my trust has been shattered in these last years. I say, 
Who can I trust? If they're talking, they're lying. I don't like that. I don't like people who lie. When I was a child, I would be punished most severely for a lie. My dad hated lies. He wanted the truth. If you did something, be the man, be responsible, stand up and say, I did it, and then take the consequence for what you have done. Don't lie about it. If you lied about it, the punishment would be much, much worse. God hates liars. And there is a lie that just keeps on lying. Today in the American church, we have been taught and we have been filled with lies. If you hear a preacher talking, is he telling the truth or is he speaking lies? We have an apostate church. What do I mean? We have a church filled with lies. What would happen if every person and every pastor would say, I vow before God, I will stop lying. Well, it would bring revival. If we finally would get honest with ourselves about who we are and what we are, Revival would be the result. I want to take you to the church at Smyrna. It is the second of the seven churches. It's very short. I'd like to read it for you. This is Revelation, the second chapter, verse 8. And by the way, you're listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from National Prayer Chapel. This is the Pilgrim's Progress radio broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I pray that this message will be convicting to your heart and will cause you to say, I must stop lying to myself and to others. I must tell the truth. Revelation, the second chapter. I'll begin reading at verse 8, the message to Smyrna. And you must write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. You remember the angel is the messenger in the hand of Jesus. It is the pastor of the church of Smyrna. Jesus is sending a personal letter to the pastor of this church. The first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, who was dead but lived. And he says these things. I know your works and tribulation and poverty, but you are rich, 
and I know the blasphemy from among the ones declaring themselves to be Jews, and are not. But you are, but they are, a synagogue of Satan. You must not fear any of the things that you are about to suffer. You must pay attention. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you among you into prison, that you will be enticed to sin, and you will have tribulations for ten days. You must be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The one having an ear must pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The one overcoming may by no means be harmed by the second death. Now let's just walk through that very quickly. First, it is Jesus speaking. It is the risen Lord who is speaking. And he's saying, I know what you do. I know the tribulation you're suffering. I know the poverty you live in. Well, I ask the question, why would there be tribulation? Because people who are not followers of Jesus hated them. The wicked Jews of that day hated them. They had lost their work opportunities. They had lost their belongings. But he says, you are rich. I know the blasphemy from among the ones declaring themselves to be Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Well, what is blasphemy? Blasphemy classically in scripture is denying what the prophets have said. Blasphemy is denying the word of God and making up your own interpretation. Blasphemy is lying about God. Blasphemy is lying about the word of God, about the scriptures. It says, I know the blasphemy, I know the lies from among the ones declaring themselves to be Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. But you must not fear any of the things that are about, you're about to suffer. You must pay attention. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be enticed to sin. Oh, let's look behind this. It's very clear that Jesus is saying, you must stand clean before me and you must not sin. Well, the modern church says everyone sins every day. They can't help it. The blood of Jesus cannot take away your sin. Oh, it can forgive you for past sins, but right now, you'll always be a sinner before God. That is the mantra of the American church, and it is blasphemy against Jesus. Now, Jesus could have said, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be enticed to sin. 
He could have said, but now don't worry about it because I have given you my imputed righteousness. He doesn't say that, does he? This would have been a perfect place for Jesus to say, look, I know you're a sinner and I know you're always going to be a sinner, but when you die, I'm going to transform you into my likeness and you're going to go to heaven and everything is going to be okay. Don't worry if you're sinning now. Like the pastor. Like the pastor from the Presbyterian Church who said to the drug addict, don't worry about your coke. Jesus understands you're addicted. Can I tell you, with every addiction, there is a large element of it that is demonic. Addiction and demonic are the same. Jesus could have said, don't worry. I know you, I know you're addicted to this or to that, but I love you. I love you unconditionally. You're on your way to heaven. That lie keeps on lying in the Christian church and we justify and make okay the fact that's a lie that we can't stop sinning. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Well, when does that holiness come? Holiness is never spoken of in the future tense. It's always in the present tense. It's right now. If Jesus is looking at you right now, and he's saying, look, the devil is going to come, and he's going to cause you some great pain in order to entice you to sin, Would you say, hey, look, I can't help myself. Look at these circumstances. Look at what's happened to me. No, do you know why we sin? By definition, sin is volitional. That is, sin is a voluntary choice on my part or your part. And you can help yourself. You can help yourself. It says, you must be faithful until death. What do you mean, faithful? You must be faithful to not deny me by sinning until death. And I will give you the crown of life. The one having an ear must pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The one overcoming may by no means be harmed by the second death. Overcoming what? Always it's overcoming sin. Overcoming sin. The whole scripture is about sin. Jesus came and died on Calvary for our sin. Now, I'm going to share with you several passages of Scripture. See, there's a lie that keeps on lying in the Christian church today, and it is destroying and stealing our joy and our power, our witness 
and our progress. And that lie is being promulgated by countless numbers of pastors. And they say, Jesus loves you unconditionally. You can never leave your sin until you die. That's a lie. Now, if you look with me at Revelation 21, Jesus says, I am the end and the beginning. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Those are the last letters of the Greek alphabet. The beginning and the end. I will give to the one thirsting out of the fountain of the water of life freely. The one overcoming will inherit these things, and I will be to him a God, and he will be to me a son. Do understand, you, if you are going to go to heaven, you must overcome your sin while you are alive. All sin. You must be made righteous. If there's anything that God hates, it's a lie. And the lie that keeps on lying is that you cannot ever be healed of your sin. I can tell you very frankly, if there's no power in the blood of Jesus to break the addiction of sin, then I don't want to go to heaven. You see, If a man comes and he says, you cannot leave your sin, but don't worry about it because Jesus will impute his righteousness to you. That is, he will give you his righteousness and count it as your righteousness. If a man comes and tells you that, he's doing two things. One, he's telling you that you have no power in the blood of Jesus to defeat sin in your life. And just chill. You're okay. You're, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But he's saying something else. He's saying that Jesus is a liar. That's the very definition of blasphemy. That is blasphemy against God. If your preacher says you can never stop sinning and you have the imputed righteousness of Jesus, he's saying you are washed and made clean, but it's all pretend. It's not real. If it's not real, then God is a liar. Jesus is a liar. See, righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. But it's real righteousness. He transforms us. He makes us into new creatures. He doesn't leave us like we were. He makes us new. And as we come to the very end of the age, and we are coming into that very end of the age now, this was prophesied. By Enoch, it was prophesied in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jesus talked about it 
we are approaching the very conclusion of this era. In 2025, we enter into a new era, and the era of grace is over. That's what is said in several places in old manuscripts. Now, please, if you are not made righteous, that is innocent, with no known sin in your heart, no known rebellion against Almighty God, if you are not walking that way before God, you have believed the lie and you are blaspheming against Jesus Christ. You are saying that his blood does not have the power to break the bondage of sin in your heart so that you are under the bondage of Satan. You will always be under his bondage. What absolute wickedness is this? Now, I know a man or a woman who says they love Jesus, but still walks in sin, is lying. I'll show you that in just a moment. Revelation 21, I'll begin in verse 6. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one thirsting out of the fountain of the water of life freely. The one overcoming will inherit these things, and I will be to him God, and he will be to me a son, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murders and fornicators, magicians, idolaters, and all the liars, their part is in the lake, the one burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Preacher, if you preach that a man cannot and it is not necessary for him to leave his sin, you are blaspheming the Holy Spirit and you are lying against Almighty God. I want to read one more passage for you. This is in Revelation 22. Blessed are the ones always doing his commandments. No, it doesn't say, blessed are those who are always trying hard, but never quite can obey God. It doesn't say that. It says, blessed are the ones always doing, that is always obeying, walking in righteousness, so that the authority will be theirs to the tree of life, that they may enter into the city by the gates Outside are the dogs, that is, outside are the scavengers. If you continue to believe that you can walk in unrighteousness, if you can continue to walk in sin, God will look upon you as a scavenger, trying to grab a little here and a little there, even from Jesus, but you are a scavenger. The magicians, 
<laughs> the man who says, you can't stop sinning, but you're saved. He's a magician. He's working tricks out of the scriptures. Outside of the dogs and the magicians and the fornicators, that is people who are involved in sexual activity outside of the marriage of a man and a woman, they are called in scripture fornicators. Those who lust after a man or a woman that is not their spouse, they're called fornicators in scripture. The murders, the idolaters, and the ones loving and doing a lie. The ones doing a lie. The ones saying, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. But they're still walking in wickedness. They're doing a lie. They're doing a lie. As I've read through these scriptures, causes me to tremble. I was lied to as a boy. I was told that there were two things necessary for salvation. I had to repent of my sin. I had to accept Jesus. They didn't tell me what sin I was to repent of or of needed to repent of all sin. It was just repent of your sins. Say it. I repent of my sins. Okay, good. You're good to go. But then they, they said it's salvation that you've entered into is like a boat. And one oar says works and the other says faith. Well, that was a lie. I'm saved entirely by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works, lest any man should boast. It's by grace. It's unmerited favor. God has done this. But what does he want to do in my heart and in your heart? He wants to totally remove the scars of the devil. He wants to break every bondage of Satan. And if he does not accomplish that in your heart because of your voluntary rebellion against him, you will not enter that heavenly city. You cannot be saved. Listen, I'll read it to you. God is light. This is First John, the first chapter. Verse 5, God is light. There's no darkness in him, none whatsoever. If we may say that we have fellowship with him, and yet we may walk in darkness, we lie to ourselves, and we do not do the truth. But if we may keep walking in the light, just as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from every conceivable sin. You notice that is not just the forgiveness of past sins. 
That is the cleansing that Jesus will do in you by his blood of removing every conceivable sin from your heart and from your life. He will make you righteous. If we may say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That is, if we say, as the Gnostics did in that day to whom John is writing, if you say, I have no sin, you're lying. If you say, I have no need of a Savior, you're lying. You desperately need a Savior, and that Savior has shed his blood, and he is willing to wash and cleanse you. But if you will not allow him to wash and cleanse you because you're too involved in work, you're too involved in all your pleasures, you're too involved in the money deal, you're too involved in your commitment to your lies, there can be no life in you. Verse 9, if we may be in agreement with God with respect to our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he may remove the sins with reference to us and may cleanse us from every conceivable unrighteousness. Now, if you're reading the NIV, it reads, so that he may forgive the sins with reference to us and may cleanse us from every... No, the word is aphemy, and it literally means to remove, to lift off of us the sin. Yes, it's forgiven, but it's not just forgiven, it's also removed. And he goes on to remove every conceivable unrighteousness. This is not after we die. Pastor John is speaking to us right now. This is the privilege of being a Christian. And I tell you, to be a Christian is the most exciting thing I know because the power of the blood of Jesus comes and wipes away my sin. But he doesn't just leave me that way to be raped by the devil again. He restores me. He makes me like himself. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a free gift. Righteousness is a free gift. Unrighteousness is what I may choose if I choose to rebel against Almighty God and go the way of darkness. If you're walking in sin today, pride, arrogance, anger, bitterness, violence, fornication, lust, drunkenness, uncleanness of all kind. You can be washed and made clean. You see, the gospel is called good news. There's a reason why it's called good news, because it washes us, it cleanses us. It makes us whole. If we may say that we have not sinned, we represent him to be a liar. 
and his word is not in us. And some people have said to me, Pastor, that means that you're you're lying if you're saying you're not walking it. No, come on. Read it in context. The next verse, chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin even once hereafter. It is the expectation of John that you will never sin again. The lie that keeps lying says you will always be a sinner. You will keep on sinning. There's no way you can stop sinning except when you die. Then Jesus will come in the moment of a twinkling of an eye and he'll take away your sin. Wrong. He did that at the cross. Salvation is not granted at his second coming. It is those who are clean who are washed in his blood. These are the people that are going to go to heaven. It says, but if anyone may sin once hereafter, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, a righteous one. And he himself is atonement concerning our sins, but not concerning ours only, but also concerning the world as a whole. And by this we know that we have known him, if we may continue to keep his commandments. The one saying, I have known him, but is not continuing to keep his commandments. He is a liar, and the truth is not in this person. I don't mean to offend you, but let me say this, please. The church saying, we have known him, But we don't have to continue keeping his commands. We can walk in known sin. It says that church is a liar. That pastor is a liar. I've read already in Revelation, we're at the very end of time. Liars are cast into hell. Blasphemers are cast into hell. This is so serious, brother, sister. There is a place of release for you in the prayer closet if you will go there and you will pour out your heart and you will be honest and stop lying to God about your sin and your condition. I don't care whether it's addiction to coke. I don't care if it's a sexual addiction. I don't care if it's a a drunkard, an alcoholic. I don't care if it's a person who is bitter and angry, a person who is violent, a person who loves money and lusts after success. I don't care what the addiction is. There is a demonic element in it. And if you will go into that prayer closet and get on your face before God and confess that thing honestly and openly and take responsibility and come into agreement with God regarding that sin, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from that sin, will transform you into the likeness of himself, and you will be saved. Now, I know that's not what's taught today. That's why I call it a lie that keeps on lying. It is saying that the blood of Jesus is not powerful. It's saying that the blood of Jesus cannot 
cleanse a sinner, can only forgive his sins, and then later in death he's cleansed. No, death is not my Savior. Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I live day by day with no known sin in my heart or in my life. I walk clean before God, not by my strength, not by my power, but by the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Look, either this blood is what it's stated to be, a saving, forgiving, cleansing element, or I don't want anything to do with it. The only reason I'm a Christian today is because Jesus has set me free, and joy and peace have filled my heart. And I am walking clean before him. Now, am I, am I immature? Yes, immaturity, according to John Wesley, and I believe it's true in Scripture, immaturity is not a sin. Immaturity is something we grow up in. But it's not rebellion against God. It's not continuing to walk in what we know is wrong. I'm just hearing right now. someone listening to this broadcast and you know you have been a sinner and are a sinner today. You know you are secretly walking in wicked ways with wicked thoughts and you're saying, could it be true? Could I be washed and made clean? Yes. The word of God says so. By this we know that we have known him, if we may continue to keep his commandments. The one saying, I have known him, but is not continuing to keep his commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in this person. But whoever may keep his word truly in this, in this person, the love of God has been perfected. Get over it. Get over it. You're going to have to be perfected or you're not going to heaven. John Wesley was right on, I think, when he said, perfection is always total love for God and total love for other people, pouring out my heart for others. The love of God has been perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. The one claiming to continue in him ought himself so walk just as that one also walked. Well, there it is. Now, I have one more scripture I want to share with you. It's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 13. And one from among the elders answered, saying to me, These, the ones having been clothed with the white robes, who are they? And from where did they come? Now, just a quick remember chapter 19, it says that the white robe 
are the righteous actions of the saints, that is, before they died. They were cleansed, they were made clean by the blood of Jesus, and they walked in righteousness. This whole thing is about walking in righteousness, walking in love, walking in innocence, caring for one another. Listen, and I said to him, that's John speaking, my Lord, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And they washed their robes and made them white by means of the blood of the lamb. They did this before they died. They were in the tribulation. And they washed their robes. They washed them in the blood of the lamb. We live in a day of great tribulation. It's time to wash your your clothing. It's time to begin to do what you know God has called you to do. Because of this, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And the one sitting on the throne will dwell among them. They will not hunger again, neither will they thirst. Neither will they, neither may the sun ever beat down on them, nor any heat at all. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne cares for them and leads them to fountains of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, let's be clear about what I've said to you today. There is a lie that just keeps on lying. It's blasphemy. It will keep many out of the kingdom of God. And the lie is, I can never stop sinning, but will always be a sinner until the day I die. That is blasphemy against Jesus Christ. It is the curse of the American church that has robbed us of power, of joy, of righteousness. The lie that God has unconditional love for us. You know it's a lie if you believe there is a place called hell. God could never cast someone into hell if he had unconditional love for them. The word unconditional love, those two words together, they're just sentimental rot. Today we have parents all over this nation who are showing unconditional love to their children. And the result is they've grown up never being responsible, always coming back to mom and dad for a handout. I'm not saying it's wrong to help your children. I would do anything necessary to help my children, except excuse them from responsibility. God calls us to leave our sin and to be responsible for our actions. Now, please hear me. One day you are going to stand before the judgment bar of God, and you are going to be held responsible for what you have done, and you will be rewarded for what you have done. And what have you done that will bring the reward? You have trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ. You have turned away from darkness. You've turned away from the devil. 
You have renounced him and you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. It is not unconditional. You can turn away from Jesus and walk away from him. Many have done it. I've known many who have done it. You must leave your sin. It's as simple as that. And you do not have the strength or the power to leave your sin. That strength and that power is only found in the prayer closet before Almighty God as you renounce and confess the wickedness of your heart and you ask Jesus to wash you and cleanse you in those specific known sins. And he will give you the victory. Now, what if you don't have the victory after you've done that? Well, it means you were not in that prayer closet long enough and with enough honesty to break through and claim the victory. That's why the word in every one of these seven churches is you must overcome. You must overcome. The very word suggests intense conflict. The conflict is in your soul. As you come to terms with the reality that you are a sinner man. And some of you are very religious today, but you are still known sinners. You know you're a sinner. You know you are not right with God. You know you have backslidden. You know exactly where you stand with him, if you're honest. You must overcome if you're going to enter into heaven. Now, again, I want to say to you, don't make the mistake of thinking that I'm speaking about works or legalism. I'm not. It's all a work of grace that Jesus does in us and for us. It's all Jesus and his blood. But you have to repent of your pride and your arrogance and your hardness and your love of wickedness. And you must gain the victory in the prayer closet. You must gain the victory. Most of you have not gained the victory because you've been more interested in work and entertainment and pleasure and food and busyness and work. You've been unwilling to go into that prayer closet and fight it out in your own soul until you get to the very bottom and say, now, Jesus, please come and wash me. When you do that, joy and peace will flood your soul. There will be a song of joy on your lips and shouting in your spirit. And you will know Jesus, for he has saved you. Oh, Lord, I cry aloud today for your people. I know that there are many right on the edge saying, is what this pastor is saying true? And do I have to leave my sin? 
Lord, I ask you to reveal to them by the Spirit and by the blood the truth of your word that they would stop blaspheming your name, that you would bring them into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, this is the last week of this month. I'm committed to letting you know how much we need. We're still about $2,000 short of having the radio bill covered for this month. I need your help. If the Holy Spirit is moving in you and you would like to help, you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. And you can give online. Now, some of you say, Pastor, why do you talk about money? Because what we do with our money tells Jesus where our hearts are. Money is very sensitive. It reveals the heart. And if your heart is for the work of the gospel to go forward in power, then be generous. Be hilarious in your giving. You're also welcome to come and worship with us on Sunday. I look for you every week. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find the information for how you can reach us. I love you. This is Pastor Ray with Pilgrim's Progress. I'll talk to you soon. Joy.